So if you're, if you're someone who has, you're an authority figure in your local market, you're not gonna have to build your scalability model for revenue only off of sales reps. You can build it off of revenue because you may be able to accomplish more revenue. So once you have the scaling formula for your team, the next is going to be when, what do you reinvest into the business and where does that go into? This is a really good um, quote that I try to live by. Are you reacting to what's happening in your present or are you creating the future that you want for your business? Um, and a lot of times our dream companies on that other side of us being busy and we're so busy keeping busy that we don't realize I don't want to do this for the rest of my life and I have to break out of this cycle. What's up advocates. Welcome back to another episode of the claims game podcast. I'm your host, Vince Perry, owner and CEO of elite resolutions and the commercial claims advocate. You can find me anywhere on social media and right here on this YouTube show. Well, today. Very special guest, somebody that I have been wanting to interview for a very long time. I see this woman in all the rest all the uh, all the all the conferences. She's involved in restoration. She's involved in roofing. She's involved in marketing. She's involved in business development. She's a true overall badass. Her name is Elizabeth Garcadilla. All right, she goes by Liz, and. You could find her anywhere on social media and anywhere at these events. And she is just a wealth of knowledge. And she's just, she's just a, a, a powerhouse in this industry. And it's really amazing how I've actually personally seen her in the last two to three years really continue to develop and grow her business and grow her and just grow herself in general. So I think you're going to enjoy this podcast because she's got a lot of great services that she could offer, not just the roofing industry, but public adjusters as well. She's got a lot of great advice on branding and how you're supposed to brand and put it out there and really market yourself the way you're supposed to. And just an overall great advice on really business development, overall wealth of knowledge. I really enjoyed this interview. I think you're going to get a lot out of this podcast, a lot of great information. And she even, she even makes fun of our company name, but that's okay. Enjoy the podcast guys. Claims game podcast. I hope you like it. Take a look at it. Liz Garcadilla. I'm sorry, Liz Garza, Liz Garcadilla coming at you right now. Let's go. Welcome to the Claims Game Podcast with Vince Perry. Get all the tips you need from insurance claim advocates and professionals and grow your public adjusting career to the next level. And now the commercial claims advocate, Vince Perry. Okay, let's try this again. Take two. Of the, of the Claims Game podcast. I'm all over the place today, Liz. I'm so sorry. But let's do this again because Liz and I just had about, what, 10 minutes of conversation and I forgot to repress the record button. <laughs> Listen up, advocates. Whether you're a public adjuster, contractor, or an attorney, if you have a client that has suffered any kind of catastrophic loss, whether that be by fire or storm or just any catastrophic loss that requires your client to have to move out and incur ALE and loss of use coverage, you need to think about looking at Black Diamond Services. This is an incredible idea for a service that I think is extremely valuable and I've actually personally used uh, for my clients myself. Basically what they do is they provide all of the necessary money 
that needed as needed to be done for the homeowner uh, to go and move to another place, whether that be a hotel or another home or whatever it is, they basically bill through their insurance policies, loss of use coverage, and basically they provide financial assistance so that the insured never has to incur any out-of-pocket expenses. It's an amazing service. I love the people at Black Diamond Services, especially Millie Varela. If you just contact her and contact Black Diamond Services, I'm telling you, they're going to take care of your climate clients like you wouldn't believe. I personally have a client who suffered a fire damage and had to use their ALE coverage. And all we did was refer them to Black Diamond. Our clients did not have to come out of pocket a single penny. Black Diamond provided all of the financial um, uh, money and they provided the actual location for the homeowner to stay. Amazing service. Contact Black Diamond Services today so you could find out more information for yourself. Welcome everyone to the Claims Game Podcast. <laughs> Liz Calzadilla, I'm very happy to have you on the show. Liz, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm uh, very happy to be here. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <For> <laughs> All right. So we've got Liz on the show. I've been trying to get Liz on the show for a long time, even though she's been dodging me left and right to not be on the show because she's got, I don't know why she just don't want to be on the show. I'm kidding. Just kidding, Liz. I'm actually really excited to have Liz because not only is she in our industry, she's in the roofing industry, but she could also help public adjusting uh, public adjusters out and their businesses with some of the services that she provides. But most importantly, she's a fellow Cuban and fellow Miamian. Suck, <laughs> girl. Hi, everyone. Yes, I'm here in the 305. Uh, not from Miami, but I'm from Miami now. <laughs> Three, what is it? That's what it is. 305 for anybody that sees this. Only people from 305 know that symbol. All right, so let's get this show started. I always like to get right to the point. I like to start with all the good stuff first. So first, Liz, you're a beautiful woman in the roofing industry. What is your story? How did you get into the roofing industry? How did you start Business 411 and Marketing 411? Yeah, first of all, thanks for the compliment. Um, so yeah, I know it's very strange when people, when I tell people I'm in the roofing industry, um, especially like when I am I travel a lot almost every week to a different roofing company and they ask me like, what do you do when I say roofing? They're like, what? But um, so I got into roofing in 2015. That led me to the restoration side of the industry as well. Um, I started off initially doing measurements and estimates. I had the pleasure of working with a couple thousand different companies, um, training them and going through their sales presentations. Um, during that time, I really had to master product knowledge. So I got very knowledgeable on roofing, siding and gutters. Um, not only just on the sales side and the, uh, running a business side, but actually manufacturing supply. Um, from there, I decided that I wanted to go ahead and branch off on my own. I had a really, really strong base of clients. Um, and so in 2019, I quit and started Business 411 doing some solo consulting. Um, after a few months of doing solo consulting, I brought on my first partner, Kelly, and we actually scaled to a team of about 10. Um, end of 2020, we brought in our second partner, Ariel, who is the one who helped us take it to the next level. Uh, we have a team of 25 employees now, and we have over 500 roofing companies using our trainings, our marketing products. Uh, we also own, I forgot to mention, a design agency and print. So we do marketing, design, print, and education for the roofing and restoration industry. You mentioned partners. Really important to have good people around you, huh? Absolutely. I wouldn't be where I am today without my two partners. 
it's like the most important thing. I just brought somebody on to be sort of like a partner and really just help me scale the thing. I've been pretty much, I wouldn't say on my own because I've got employees. Obviously those are very important, but when it comes to like decision makers and stuff like that too, it's mm -hmm. really important to have some fellow decision makers, even some other people who could think about the vision of the company and who care just as much as you do. It's just hard to find. It is. Um, I would say that I've been in, I've had a bad partner before in another company that I had, and that was a make it or break it situation. The business never fully got off the floor just because the partnership was not a good partnership. Um, personally, I work very well with two women partners. It's a rare occurrence, um, but we actually had the two companies separate. Our partnership went so well that we decided to merge the company. Sorry about that. That's me. Apparently Let I'm me not. guess, because they're opposite of you? Yes. So for me, <laughs> yeah. Yes, I am 100% the go-getter, big thinker, like, let's make it happen. And both of them are, one of them is very focused on let's get the work done with the team. And the other one is let's get the work done with um, just overall outlining structure and organization and Processes. so both of them yeah so both of them figure out how that relates to our client but both of them are impl implementation side of my vision and it, it allows you to go out there make build relationships with some of the big wigs in the business shake hands kiss babies is what we mm -hmm. say and just sort of see the vision of the company i mean you have to have that person as well that person is just as important as the other ones but it's impossible to do both it's impossible I agree. Um, I've tr I tried it and I ended up super burnt out. I was working 24 hours a day pretty much. I would sleep um, when I could. Some days I didn't get to sleep. I was just trying to do it all and it just wasn't working for me. I could I could visualize because I'm looking at your website and all the cool uh, like the handbooks that you have and I can mm -hmm. visualize you just falling asleep inside of the book. Yeah. So the way the way we met was because of marketing, right? I know that initially, if correct me if I'm wrong, but you were helping some roofing companies with their marketing side and try to get their name out and try to really just help grow their business and really increase their, I guess, exposure so they could obviously get more work. Um, yeah. Tell me about that side, because I feel like you're, you're amongst other things, I feel like you're very knowledgeable about that. Um, I always talk about, and I mentioned this in the pre-unrecorded interview that we had. Um, McDonald's, right? McDonald's, I just read a book. It was funny. They were telling the story about how McDonald's does not have the best hamburger. And one could argue that they have the worst hamburger, yet they're probably the number one selling hamburger in the entire planet. So, and that's all because of marketing. And I know you know a lot about it. What are some of the things that you sort of help with roofing companies and that you could probably help with public adjusting companies to really get their name out there, get that logo out there and get them more business? Yeah. So really, you know, a burger, um, a public adjuster, uh, helping a homeowner with a claim, a roofer selling a roof. Those are just products and services at the end of the day. Um, regardless, if you have a top tier service, if you don't have a proper brand, you'll never have that exposure that you want. Um, and there's a couple of different ways to go about creating a brand. For me, the way that I leveraged creating my business brand was having a strong personal brand, which I built throughout my first five years of my sales career. I really focused in on my personal brand. And as I was simultaneously learning roofing and restoration, it, I was also learning every marketing and online tactic that I could. And then 
once you have the method that you actually want to use to create your brand, what you want that message to be, then you can focus on how do I market this and get it out into in, as in front of as many people as possible. Um, and it's also important to be analytical when you're creating that brand to realize this is what is resonating with my audience and this is what's not. Um, so one of the case studies was even myself. When I first started, I was calling myself contractor tech shop and I thought I was going to be like this great big thing. And uh, I had four clients. <laughs> so <laughs> contractor tech shop, contractor tech shop. What the hell is that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that obviously didn't work. <laughs> yeah. So I renamed it three months into business 411, which still very out there, but um, the brand, the way that we cleaned up the logo, the way that we made everything kind of flow more together. Um, and our first slogan was creating exponential growth. Continued to revise it, figured out that it wasn't clear enough. Then we went to Business Information Center, which is what that 411 stands for figured out, you know, based off of some of our feedback with that client that we are that really they felt the most comfortable with and they resonated with business development center. So our slogan for business 411 is business development center for marketing 411 is marketing development center. You went out on your own and you started the whole agency, you started this company. What what is it about was what is it about roofing that you felt was uh what there was a need for? That you that you decided to st really start this brand and, and come out there with these like amazing books that I'm gonna, I'm going to eventually share my screen so people could see sort of what I'm looking at. But what was it that you felt that there was a need for that they could this could really make a difference? Yeah. So first of all, the biggest issue that I think exists in the industry on the restoration and just contracting side, just period, is our, our, when it comes to dealing with homeowners is education to the homeowner. And the way that I felt like I was going to be able to make the biggest impact for homeowners is by helping contractors clean and unify their message where it can include education and a more streamlined process to deliver the information. Um, so really that's what we decided to focus on. And I do work with public adjusters on this as well, especially in the state of Illinois, on how to clean up the what the homeowners actually experiencing and seeing, um, especially for the claims process. So many customers drop off from working with someone or they felt lost or they feel out of touch. Um, just because there's not a consistent communication, there's not certain expectations that are set up, and then the homeowner feels like they're getting scammed. So we wanted to help evolve that perception into a higher standard of education for homeowners. I mean, that's the key, right? Like education is so important. It's not even it's not only education, which is the same thing, but it's providing value. You have to provide value to the people who are going to be watching your stuff, especially say on social media. What's going to make me stop scrolling if not something that's going to actually help me and educate me? So I've always said the same thing. When I started the the YouTube channel and I did the Facebook page and Instagram like that, it was just like my thing was in my head, I was like, I'm just going to give away all the information for free. Any kind of information that I have on claims, I'm just going to just sort of talk about it. I'm going to give it away. And in the beginning, everybody's like, what are you giving away all this information for? All these secrets of our industry and all these things. And I would just tell people, well, like, well, when they can't figure it out, even though yeah. I've already told them everything, they're going to come to me for more and they're going to come and they're going to come message me and, 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 and eventually hire me because I'm the one that at least according to the brand and according to what's out there on social media and so on and so forth, I seem like the guy that knows everything. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the way I think it should be. Um, that's part of becoming an authority figure, which is part of building your personal brand. Once you're seen as a person of authority within your industry or local market, the perception of where other people are at and where you are automatically is going to get you hired. And a lot of times in marketing, we're talking about competing for online presence, for Google ads, for PPC, for SEO. When in reality, when you're a figure of authority within your local market, you're not competing as hard as people who are just coming in to the industry without that brand. Uh, personally, for me, for the first three years, I made over a million dollars in that business for one of the first year and without any salespeople, without any ad spend because my personal brand and I was already an authority figure. So I think that it's very important to have that. Okay. So give me the secrets. I want the secrets. So you just <laughs> said that I, I've succeeded in building the personal brand and the authority. That's sort of where I'm at now. All right. So how do I make the shift? How yeah. does one make this shift now? I have two companies. I have the commercial claims advocate where we sell this book. We have online courses and we do events and stuff like that. And then I have elite resolutions, which is my public adjusting firm where we've got public adjusters throughout the state of Florida and Texas. How do I make that shift to really get elite resolutions and the public adjusting firm sort of as high as I personally am? So um, the next thing when we look at a model uh, or, or a business that we're trying to create is scalability. And so you have to look at the core strengths of what's scalable within elite resolutions. And then from there, you're able to build your base model. So every business, if you have a base model for what you're doing in your example, it could be working with homeowners specifically on claims management. Let's say you're the best at helping someone after a hurricane. So once you have that niche market and specific market, you need to tweak your brand to reflect that. So it could be elite solutions, hurricane, uh, public adjusting firm, or something that really is going to relate who you're going after. And then figuring out what do you need, what resources, what tools, who do you need to build around it in order to scale it? And so one interesting. Yeah. So um, the, I actually want one of my books focuses specifically on business formulas. And there's a couple of different formulas that I created. The first is what's your scale formula? Um, the next would be and that includes what's the business structure, the departments that you're going to have, the services you're going to provide and your process. The next is what's your profitability formula? It's where you break down each of those services and you figure out which ones are your most profitable. You build those three out. But let's say you have a loss leader, which is the service you're willing to lose money out on in order to bring business in, in order to bring them into your process to have a higher ticket item. So for example, our loss leader the first year was Logos crazy. We lost so much money on making logos for businesses. We made over 500 companies their logos. This last year, we only made 20 companies their logo for 10x the price that we used to charge. And we were, we were only focused on one or two logos a month, still sold more revenue in logos with 20 projects than we did for 500. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. But, but they, all of those 500 companies, we built um, all of our trainings, we built all of our marketing, we built our website agency. Everything was built through that that product that we were losing money on because we were bringing customers in consistently. What are the other two formulas? Uh, yes. So the other formulas. So once you have your profitability formula, then it's going to be your scale, your scaling formula for your team. So how many people do I have to hire per sales to meet 
my uh, revenue metrics to then I hire a support role. So that's based off of either you can do that based off of people. For me, I did it based off of revenue. For most contractors or construction companies, you have to scale based off of people because they don't have an authority figure in their local market. So if you're if you're someone who has you're an authority figure in your local market, you're not going to have to build your scalability model for revenue only off of sales reps you can build it off of revenue because you may be able to accomplish more revenue. So once you have the scaling formula for your team, the next is going to be what, what do you reinvest into the business and where does that go into? So I like to do um, marketing is our biggest investment for us. Um, events, and that's all included there. So all of the events that we go to, um, everything that we do on Google, all of that goes into our marketing budget. Then it's what we reinvest into let's say when you hire a new employee you're going to lose money for about the first three months um so i have to know how much money i'm willing to lose on bringing a new employee in before i become profitable off of that loss um and then i mean i, I can i can go into way way more formulas if you No, like. this is awesome no this is but there's one more you said there was four right there's scale formula profitability formula reinvest formula no, no. So it was, uh, so it's um, your first was your profit. So your profit, your company structure, right? Your brand formula, your marketing formula, and your scalability. Uh, yeah. Marketing. But Mark we also, within those, before I, for, before I we move on, there are formulas within those. So your revenue formula per your services. Another formula is how can you make sure you're not leaving money on the table as far as estimating? So um, we what we like to do for those formulas is, let's say, for example, you're charging someone 10% of the contracted services, but you figure out that the time that it's to do those was higher than your formulas, then you'd have to say, okay, this didn't come in at our expected profit margin. It came in at this, and then you have to adjust that. Because at the end of the day, a lot of companies don't know their numbers, and that's your biggest weakness. If you don't know where you're making money and losing money, even if you're saying, I'm willing to lose money to grow my business, you have to make that decision consciously. Um, for example, I lost over $150,000 my first year, even with selling over a million dollars. And that was because I put that all into the next year, building out what I wanted. And then I became not, not only did I make those $100,000 back, I made a high, I made my net profit higher than what I originally had uh, uh, aimed for. And you partnered up with two people and you partnered up with two people who are smarter than you. Yes, they are so much smarter than me. Yeah, and I don't mean that with no offense, but that's it's the same thing with me, right? Like we have to put, we have to also put the right pieces around us. They probably yeah. helped you come up with some of these formulas. Uh, actually, no, they don't, but they help me implement these formulas. Right. right. Which is what I needed we're... help with. So the marketing formula, all right? Everybody's always wondering about marketing. Um, do you have like an, does it depend on sort of the company that you're working with? Is there a direction that you're going to lean towards more? Like, is it going to be on the website or landing pages or Google ads or social media or different things? Or does, is there a place that you lean towards more that you feel works better? Or is it just all depending on the company? 
Yeah. So honestly, it really all depends on the business. Um, before we go into marketing a business, I do want to talk about the brands a little bit more, because if you don't spend and invest the money into your brand, your marketing is actually more expensive. Um, and I want to give you an example. I just happen to have two companies here. Um, this is a standard roofing company logo. It's very difficult to di differentiate this business in a local market than every other roofer in the area. So before we go into spending money online with this business, the thing that makes the most sense is to take a look at it and see how can we make it more memorable just viewing it because we don't just look at online marketing we also look at vehicles your vehicles are moving billboards if you don't have your vehicle wrapped you're losing money you're leaving money on the table on top of having it wrapped if you don't have an attention seeking wrap you're not going to get that return on the investment that you'd like um then we're going to look at the other categories where can we display the brand so another one might be billboards is does it make more sense to have this brand up here on billboards but if i take this logo it's kind of pointless to do much with it because of the memorability factor you have to have that x factor here is a separate brand that is more memorable roof and then the x why because it's very easy to remember and this name the first thing that we'll typically do is i'll rename a business or i'll sell them a name that i have i have over 450 names and websites that i own um and yeah yeah I, i'm always coming up with names but once we have a good name and sometimes people have to be more objective when it comes to their business because you become so attached to a name that you forget that at the end of the day if you're not making money the name doesn't really matter, you know, to be honest. Um, so once we have a, something that's memorable and a brand we can work with, then we figure out how can we do all the direct marketing necessary? Are we going to do a door knocking approach? If so, what canvassing strategy is this business going to use? What are their target areas and what messaging are they trying to send? So am I targeting a luxury neighborhood with high end homes and people who are making over six figures a year median household income? Or am I looking at an area with 50K median household income where I'm just looking for volume of deals? And even on the insurance claim side, this applies evenly. If you're working with property owners, you need to know what type of property owners you are. As a public adjuster, ask yourself, do I want to do, go through the claims process with this type of customer? If so, who is this ideal type of customer that I'm the best suited for? Is it a building owner? Should I focus on that? Should I focus on working with property management companies? Should I focus in on those luxury? Am I, am I doing really well within uh, clients who are working in the medical profession? Um, once you know that client type, then where are my clients at? Are my clients looking for me on Google? Are they looking for me at BNI events? Are they looking for me from referrals? and then getting in front of them. So we kind of do divide, checklist, divide, checklist. And so then you go in from, hi, I just need a client who had storm damage, to hi, I need a client who has storm damage within this zip code who works at X and is going to make, you know, I'm going to make about 10X a year with 10X less work with this type of client that's the kind of formula that i want to create for the marketing side interesting interesting first of all how's our brand 
Is it good? Is it nice? Our brand? Oh, yes. Can you see it? I would say that your logo is nice. Um, the biggest issue with the name Elite, I I love you. I mean, I'm not gonna. I don't want to be too mean to you. There's too many elites. It's, I noticed. It's hard. I'm sorry if you ever decided to change your name. I would be happy to help you. Um, but you know, it's hard to get people to convince to change their name. You're like, I would be happy to sell you a name if you like. <laughs> <laughs> the ideal customer is interesting because we're coming up with a marketing course plug for plug for our next course hopefully coming in january and i'm finishing it up and i've got it and i've got the ideal customer but it's a little tricky for us i feel as i'm coming up with the ideal customer strategy when i first started i started marketing my business i didn't i didn't think about that stuff i just went out there and i did a lot of networking a lot of networking. That was my thing. I did some door knocking when I was young, uh, but then eventually I just really focused in, uh, focused in on uh, BNI, RGA, and all those different networking things, and really just trying to trying to just build up my, I guess, uh, sphere of people that I knew. And that's how I was able to to sort of grow it. Um, I didn't have an ideal customer, and I I don't I don't know. I feel like for us as adjusters, we're just looking for claims. Like yeah. we're just looking for anybody that suffers damage. Obviously, I would like the commercial buildings. Obviously, I would like the multi-million dollar homes and, and all that stuff. But frankly, if I want to put food on my table, I need to be able to sign pretty much anything that comes my way when a water pipe bursts or a storm rolls in so, or anything. So I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Um, so one in 20 properties a year has a claim. So what if you focused on the 20 properties that you were trying to work with were only those multi-million dollar commercial buildings? If your presence was so known that every commercial building owner was calling you as an advisor to ask you for tools, resources, and consultations on something as simple as for them, a pipe bursting in their building to a hurricane with high wind speed or cat three, cat four, damaging their property, not only their business assets, but their personal assets. What would you rather? Oh, that sounds awesome. That's what I would rather. So let me tell you, the thing is, wherever you put your attention to into those resources of network that you were doing, you were doing what you needed to get done, right? The second level, you already have your foundation. You check that off. Now, for example, in my business, I don't work one-on-one -on -one anymore with contractors. I scale every year for something. So this year I did, uh, I stopped doing direct sales for marketing. We already built our sales team for that. Boom. This year I started doing traveling for consulting and working one-on-one -on -one with companies, building out my high ticket platform. I already built that out. Boom. Now I'm moving to only group coaching and events. And so now I'm building out that program. So the next level would be having a group coaching school where other people can teach at, where it's not just based off of me. So then in five years, I'm scaled out of the business, but my foundation at every level is strong. So your foundation at your next level, if I was going to, you know, just give you even any type of tip would be build out where you want to see your business at and where you want to exit at in the next five years one step at a time over them every single year. And that's how I, I've, I've seen the most profitable companies uh, do it. And I recommend anybody who has not read it, it's called Good to Great by Jim Collins. That great book. It, it's, it's a great book and it, and it really changed my mindset on how I viewed 
formulas and how they are incorporated into your business. My favorite was the CEO part where they talked about the level 10 CEO or something mm -hmm. like that. That was my favorite part. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed seeing the case studies of companies in the same yeah. industry where one is growing rapidly and the other one's going out of business. And, you know, we all have to make sure that we're prepared for what's hap going to happen in the economy and have those things worked out ahead of time. So what do you tell somebody who just has no idea what the exit strategy is? I don't know what it is. Five years? I mean, I don't know. I'm just grinding. I'm just doing what I got to do. And I just want to make more money. <clears throat> um, if you want to get out of the rat race, it's the only way is to be. There's a difference. There's a difference between what? Uh, what is it? Owning a company and running a business. Yeah. Self-employed. Yeah. And an entrepreneur. Is that what it is? <gasps> Where'd you go? Yeah, so so I was something for six months and I was not enjoying my life. Um, then the next year I was still self-employed, but with a team. The next year I was self-employed, but with a bigger team. And so now I, I finally am at the point where I own a business on my marketing agency. And now I'm trying to create that for my second company. So I have scaled myself out of it. But I would say the biggest thing is you have to scale past your mindset and put yourself in a situation where you're in a room where, with people who know more than you. So the biggest thing that I invest in is my personal and professional education. I'm always looking to learn. Um, and I want to be the dumbest person in the room everywhere that I go. For example, this upcoming week, I'm, in, I'm investing into a high ticket uh, club where I'm going to learn about investing my money because I want to be, you know, retired at a young age. I need to be able to know what to do with the money that I'm making. Um, so you mentioned brand, uh, how important it is to brand. And then you were going to say, before we we're going to talk about marketing, you want to talk about branding. We went through that. So what, so what happens after that? You've got your brand set up. You've got everything laid out. Everything looks good. Cool name, cool logo. Um, cool how do we know what a cool business model, which let me tell you, that takes, that takes some time. I think a lot of people sometimes think they have the perfect business model and then they realize that it's not the perfect business model or people are reactive. So this is a really good um, quote that I try to live by. Are you reacting to what's happening in your present or are you creating the future that you want for your business? Um, and a lot of times our dream companies on that other side of us being busy and we're so busy keeping busy that we don't realize I don't want to do this for the rest of my life and I have to break out of this cycle. And usually it takes either some economic crash, a rude awakening, us trying to get additional information to expand our resources. Um, but once you're ready at a point where you are expanding your mindset, you're expanding how to run your business, you're focusing on being a good business owner and building something profitable, I never recommend building a business and scaling it into marketing unless it's a profitable recipe, a, a profitable formula. Otherwise, you're very easily going to going to go broke. And it happens all the time. We see most businesses don't make it past four years. So once you are ready to go ahead and, and get into your marketing, you want to go to where your audience is at. Personally, we invest a lot of money in social media because our audience lives on social media where mo most homeowners are looking for the services that you might be offering is going to be on Google. So then you have a few different forms of how to create content that they want to see. So you have SEO, which is search engine optimization, 
prompting and answering and embedding keywords that are commonly phrased on the internet within your website and creating answers to those questions that people most commonly have. Then you have Google ads where you are, are competing with other businesses by what you're paying Google to actually compete with them and dominate the space of paid ads. And then the most crucial one is your Google business profile, which is where your reviews live, your photos live, and where customers are actually going to click to call you quite often unless they're going to click on an ad. And so that uh, ranking the Google business profile is our priority here at our agency, because most commonly that's what people are going to be clicking to you off of. We want to build an ideal Google business profile so we can get more targeted engagement specifically for the services that we're ranking on. We build the web presence through the SEO side and make sure that we have the right contact content for the right user. And then we make sure we boost that messaging through paid ads. And then we have solid social media for all of our clients so that when they click on it, or even if you're just driving by and they go to your company, they know where to find you and that you're a credible business. What makes you different, Liz? And I ask you that because everybody always tries and fails and tries another marketing agency and fails and tries another market and fails and everybody honestly marketing agencies have somewhat of a bad reputation because they cost a lot of money and people are normally impatient because they don't see the results or whatever but what makes you different yeah so first of all the reason why i think we're different is we're not looking at marketing as a transactional and i'm not selling a 90-day plan i'm selling a commitment to my clients to be invested into their business and put all of my resources that i have from my team and a team that's specifically been working in the roofing industry and myself who's very uh passionate about roofing and restoration even you know the public adjusting side as well um so the first thing is industry knowledge, I would say, is our biggest strength. Um, there is many different marketing agencies out there who are also credible, and I don't think that um, there's anything wrong with them, but they don't have the resources and the support that we have in place. And honestly, the biggest, biggest thing about us now is I actually don't just take on clients. If you don't have a good brand, I won't I won't promote you. And I've learned that myself that I would rather not deal with the headache of working with someone who doesn't have the brand where it needs to be. So if you are not, if your brand is not where it needs to be, I will suggest to let's do the brand revamp. Otherwise, I'm sorry, I cannot take your project on. You don't qualify to work with us. Um, and, I, and that's okay. I think my biggest difference is I can... I turn clients away very often. Or if they have the word elite in their names. Oh my God. <laughs> hey, it's okay. We're going to, we're going to make it happen. We're going to make it happen. We just, re, we have our, we're, we're launching our, our, our new website in, in December. We've got hey some man, really I'm just I'm, I'm only being honest with you because I think at the end of the day, you're you owe it to your customers for them to be doing business with you and not another public adjuster. And do you want the only reason why they chose someone else and not you is because your name was easily forgotten or there was three other elites? Mm, yeah, yeah. No. We'll see. I'm not too concerned. So tell me about your uh your books and the different things that you offer. Uh and back 
to roofing and everything like that, because I know I'm looking at your website here. For those of you that don't know, it's business411.com and we have training manuals. And I remember when you, I follow you on social media and I remember when you finally like printed out like your first version of the books and you were so freaking excited. I thought you were going to start like crying, like right there in the middle of the, of the shot. <laughs> and, uh, <I> <laughs> and it is, it is really amazing. It's quite the accomplishment. And, um, tell me about that. You've got all the, you had six different kinds of books and, and yeah, yeah and tell me about all that. Yeah. So I do have three of them here. Um, so this is our insurance restoration manual. It's everything you should know about it. It does include, it's the, it's typically what it is, is the process for a contractor um, and just overall what's happening in the insurance industry. But we also include the process of working with a PA in here um, to help educate contractors so that they don't have unrealistic expectations when they're working with a PA and it's a completely white labeled um, platform. So for example, if you're a PA who does get work from contractors, I'd highly recommend getting this for you um, so that you can educate educate them on how to work with you. And it even explains to them the exact me, what's the process when the claims approved or denied. Um, and I just think it's a great giveaway um, for, for anyone who's working with someone and it explains to them how to document things properly. Cool. So it's over. Hmm? I said, cool, yeah. cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So it includes introduction to the restoration industry, the restoration basics, restoration process, working with the PA, um, how to turn it into a retail strategy, supplementing, appraisal and litigation, and homeowner education. Um, and then we also do have an entire course. It's not allowed in the state of Florida. So I'm sorry if you're in Florida, we can't use this, but we created a homeowner insurance education uh, magazine, which is 12 pages of content that homeowners should know. You can use it in Texas. So uh, shoot me your logo and I'll actually give you a copy, Vince. Oh, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, for sure. And then this is the residential roofing manual. So it's everything you need to know to get started in the residential side of the industry. It does cover a little bit about the insurance process here, but it's not really dedicated to that. It's just an overview of the industry. We have the commercial roofing manual. And then we have, which is everything you need to know about commercial um, business planning program. This is going to be once a month here in Miami. I'd love for you to come. I, I'll offer you an invite and you can work on your business model with us uh, there, Vince. I would love to have you there. Um, and that's going to be January 24th, 25th, 26th. And uh, every month after that, we're going to be going into the formulas that I spoke about today briefly, uh, deep diving in how to create a successful business strategy and really creating something scalable. Um, we have a lot more books. If you want any information, uh, you guys can call us at 844-4-BIZ-411. 411. 411.com. Today, I actually made a funny video. Um, they were having me create like this actual video for our, our we're starting to get on YouTube now. And um, I, I actually did a rap video. What was it? Can we hear it real quick? No, not right now. But you can follow. You have me to. You would be. You would be the second person to sing on this show if you were to only the second, if you were to just give me one small bar. You, you know what? I'm, I'm the only redhead, so I'll, I'll I'll be I'll be happy with that. Come on, I'll wait. Come on, bro. Don't embarrass me on here in front of the public what? assessors. Uh, what is it? Team. I know you wrote it in your phones. 
I know you wrote it in your phone. No, you I'm not saying it. No. <laughs> Don't ruin this interview. <laughs> Liz, honestly, I'm very impressed by everything that you've done. I think it's fascinating. It's just every time I go to a freaking networking event, you're there. You're not just there. You're speaking. And it's 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 really cool. It's really cool to see to see you succeed and to watch you uh, succeed more and more and more over the years. Uh, I guess my last question before we before we uh, finish up with this is. Where do you see yourself in five years? First of all, thank you for the encouragement for me personally. Every time someone tells me something encouraging, I live in gratitude. So for me, I'm grateful for every single small thing that happens to me, which is to this day, I still get sentimental just looking at new books that we wrote a hundred percent. So secondly, where do I see myself in five years? I see myself having impacted um, millions of people through what we're doing to create better education. Um, my passion is helping people who are coming into this industry. And I do that by the companies who I work with so that when they bring new people in, they can give them the tools and resources so they don't get a bad taste in their mouth about roofing, restoration, and contracting. Like that for me is the biggest problem that I'm trying to solve. And I really, really hope that by that by this time in five years from now, we have made a dent into that onboarding process to people to the restoration industry. I love it. I love it. Um, well, Liz, thank you again for coming on. Uh, thank you, for you guys didn't you guys you guys didn't see this. Thank you for putting up with the first ten minutes not being recorded. <laughs> And thank you for putting up with my baby's leg getting stuck stuck in the crib <laughs> that we had to cut it. I truly appreciate that. And um, I'm sure I'll see you at the next networking event. So all your information is below, by the way, Liz. Uh, so you could contact her. But if you want to just say it real quick again, your website, your uh, email, contact information before we close out. Yeah. So uh, you can visit me on Instagram. It's Liz, the number four biz, Liz for biz. Um, Facebook, Elizabeth Calcedilla, uh, website business411.com, phone number 844-4BIZ411. And thank you for having me, Vince. I appreciate you. All right, Liz. Thank you so much. I'll see you later. Thank you. See ya.